So I started in aesthetics um, when it was only two companies, essentially, when it was Metasys and Allergan. Um, so in two, that was around 2005. So, so seeing the industry change and grow um, has been really interesting. You know, I think um, one, I think everyone's starting to understand the consumer a lot better. Um, so I think aesthetics has always been great with physicians uh-huh. and helping your practices and whatnot. But I think they're starting to understand that they have to add the consumer into that um, and help you guys grow, but also help the consumer understand the industry and what the products really do. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Technology of Beauty, where we interview the movers and shakers in the beauty industry. And today, we're so fortunate to have a very hot mover and shaker, (laughs) Megan Driscoll. I'm a mover and shaker? That's right. From Evolve. And uh, welcome. You come all the way out here from New York, right? Yeah. For you, I would travel anywhere. Oh, man. I am so happy to have you. (laughs) I've been dying to get you on the program. (laughs) Thank you. So true confessions. I have a huge crush on Megan. (laughs) I have to let you know. Aaron knows all about it. And uh, I'm so happy to have her here. So before we get started and before you tell us about Evolve, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? What did you do before Evolve? Sure. So I'm from New York City. I was born in Brooklyn. Um, went to college at the University of Chicago. I say I'm the only public relations person to ever go to the University of Chicago. <laughs> um, and then I worked in agencies throughout my whole career, um, big agencies, small agencies, um, always doing PR and kind of digital marketing. And then I um, worked at a small agency in New York City for a long time, became the owner's business partner. And I always joke around that just like romantic marriages, sometimes business marriages don't work out, uh-huh. so ours did not. Um, but I'm very fortunate and grateful for that experience because it led me, it gave me the kick in the butt to open up Evolve MKD. And how long were you there before you opened up? Just under five years. Just under five years, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, and so I you... founded Evolve when I was 34, and I just turned 40, as you know. Yes. And you've always been in public relations? <laughs> always been in public relations. <clears throat> okay, so then five years ago, six years ago six now, years you go ago off now. on your yeah. own and you start Evolve. Were mm-hmm. you the only employee or how'd you do that? So I started, um, I was the only employee and I started um, when my partnership was disintegrating, just like any negotiation, you get to negotiate for for what you'd like to have happen. Uh So I made the kind of risky decision to take less of a buyout and um, in exchange for having three clients excused from my non-compete, non-solicitation. So my uh, business partnership ended on a Thursday and on Tuesday, all three of those clients had resigned with that agency and came with me. So I was so lucky in the sense that like the first day I was open, right? I you actually had, three. had I had three clients and revenue and like no people, and I was like mildly panicked about how I was <laughs> going to get the work done. I remember I was on the phone with procurement uh-huh. um, for one of my clients at the time, and he was like, "So like, do you have an office?" And I was like, "Dude, it's been like 24 hours." <laughs> So were you working so, out of your uh, basement or your garage? I, we, or? we started, I told him, I was like, right now I'm on my couch, but I made a commitment that, um, you know, assuming business went well within a year or two, I would get an office. Um, and that was in September of 2014. And by the following year, like October of 2015, I had a, signed a lease and we moved into our office space the beginning of 2016. Are you still in that original office we space? We still are in that original office space. We were actually supposed to move. Um, in March coming up, um, and I think because of COVID, we're going to stay put. You're supposed to move because they're forcing you out or your lease is expired? Yeah, our lease is up. So you just celebrated your sixth year, didn't you? We did. 
Yeah. Just Monday. So when you started, were you in aesthetics and beauty, or were you cross? Were you in medicine? Tell me. Yeah. About your first three clients. Um, so my first, my founding three clients um, were one Mers Aesthetics. Okay. So uh, aesthetics company. Right. Um, secondly, um, Skin Better Science, okay. the Marche Labs, which you know I've worked okay. with Jonah Shack and I for a very long time. Yes. Um, and then a very small biotech company called Interios, okay. which um, had a molecule that could make another toxin potentially. It's like very early stage, and actually Allergan bought them, interesting, like about a couple of years ago. So, so also I started in aesthetics, right. my client base, um, but have since expanded into traditional beauty, eye care traditional healthcare, we work with the Plaza Hotel, um, so across a few different industries. Okay, and how many employees do you have now? Uh, 27. Are they all women? We have two men, I'm happy to say. And when did you hire the two men? I heard you were a company full of women. Yes, but we, we love men. So um, well, we decided to open our doors to men um, with our, our employee, Eric, who's been with us about two years. Um, okay. And then after him, um, we hired my executive assistant, Lorenzo, as our second male. Okay, good for you. Yeah. It's great you're yeah. not discriminating. Men, it's the, know, the weaker really, sex. I know men really need they need all the help they can get. Thank so, you very much. We yeah. appreciate you reaching out yeah. and helping us little yeah, guys. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about your experience in the aesthetics business. You start with you say MERS mm -hmm. and the others. Uh, have you accumulated other aesthetics clients? Yes. Yeah, so now actually um, we work with Allergan mm -hmm. um, Endo Aesthetics, which is bringing a, a new product to market next year, Hydrofacial. Mm -hmm. um, ISDIN, which is a physician, physician dispensed skincare line, um, Skin Better Sciences, mm -hmm. and that's, a, that's everyone, I think, so in aesthetics. That's terrific. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that you moved to eye ophthalmology yes, and so forth. Cooper, Tell me a little bit about that. We're working with Cooper Vision, so we work on their MySight contact lens, which is the um, first and only um, contact lens for children ages 8 to 12. Look at me getting the indication right. 8 <laughs> to 12 um, for pediatric myopia. So work with that. And they have another contact lens called Energis, which is for digital eye strain that we're working on. Um, and then we kind of help with Wait, the- Wait, digital eye strain? Digital eye strain. What is that? That's Looking at a computer? That's basically when you're staring at the computer or your phone and your eyes get tired and like your eyesight gets blurry. Interesting. Uh -huh. I didn't know there was such a thing. Yeah, there is. I must not have it. No, I don't think you do. <laughs> okay, so tell me a little about aesthetics. You've been in the business. You represent all these people. You've seen changes over the last. Well, you've been doing it yourself. You're the CEO and you're founder for six mm -hmm. years. But before that, you worked with MERS, obviously. Yeah, I did. And others. Mm -hmm. And you've seen a lot of changes. I have. And uh, I know you're not that old, but you still have been in this aesthetics business for a long time. And as you know, this is the technology of beauty. Mm -hmm. and many of our watchers are doctors, surgeons, healthcare providers, uh, and so forth in the surgical and non-surgical arena. So what can you teach us? What have you seen? Uh, and what do you think the future holds? Um, well, so I started in aesthetics um, when it was only two companies, essentially, when it was Medicis and Allergan. Um, so in two thousand around 2005, so, so seeing the industry change and grow um, has been really interesting. You know, I think, um, one, I think everyone's starting to understand the consumer a lot better. Um, so I think aesthetics has always been great with physicians uh -huh. and helping your practices and whatnot, but I think they're starting to understand that they have to add the consumer into that um, and help you guys grow, but also help the consumer understand the industry and what the products really do. Um, and I think that you know we're seeing like a lot more competition in the injectables space. So that's going to be different different, different products options. or different yep. options. Okay. So like when 
in 2005, as you know, there was really like Botox and wrestling and that was it. Mm -hmm. And so now there's tons of options on the filler and the toxin side, more to come. Um, and so I think it's gonna be really interesting to see how the competition um, changes that industry. So is it going to bring more consumers in? Are the companies gonna have to elevate their game to stay relevant? Um, how's the messaging gonna change? Um, so I'm interested to see to see that. And what are, what are physicians gonna prioritize now that they have different product choices? Um, so that's kind of what I'm interested in watching. So you must have an opinion. <laughs> Can you share it? Um, I, I do. So I, um, you know, I think competition is really important. So, um, you know, I think with a few of the toxins that are on the horizon, you know, potentially having some options for duration, mm -hmm. I think could be really interesting for doctors and for consumers. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'd love to see a shorter acting toxin um, come to market. I know there's some discussion around that in various places. Because um, I think as a consumer myself, there are different instances where you might want something that's immediately kicks in, but only lasts for a month. And then as you get more comfortable, you know, have something that maybe stays a little bit longer. Um, so I do, I, I think I'm, I think all of those things are really important and valuable. Um, on the filler side, I think um, getting people to, getting the consumer to understand more that, you know, fillers, you can look normal uh -huh. and natural. I still think that's kind of an ongoing battle that everyone's going to have to yep. fight. So. I agree. Mm -hmm. You mentioned in a few months, moments ago that you think that uh, there's a new attention to the consumer and the mm -hmm. needs of the consumer. What are the needs of the consumer? What what should we as plastic surgeons be thinking yeah. about? How should we change our practices or reorient yeah. and so forth? Um, so I think for doctors, it's important to realize that I think the patient mindset has changed a little bit. I think um, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I think patients would come in and just do whatever the doctor says. Um, mm -hmm. And now I think patients are really seeing that they need to be their own advocate. And so I think they come in with opinions, <laughs> um, you know, some right, some wrong. Uh -huh. um, and they're really looking for a doctor to have a discussion with them and, and come up with a plan together. So I think that's a, a big way that kind of that relationship is going to start to evolve. So a lot of patients are coming in and they're instant experts because they've gone to Dr. Yeah. Google. Correct. And it's you can imagine what I'm that's sure like. You, I'm sure you've experienced that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. You can imagine what that's like when yes. you have these instant self-anointed yes. experts. They walk in, they've yes. spent you know 24 hours or less yep. becoming world-class experts talking yep. to people who have done it their whole career. Yep. Um, I can only imagine how frustrating that is. Well, at times it is. Yeah. And a two-way conversation with a total neophyte who thinks yeah. they're an expert can yep. be tedious. Yes. At best. Yeah. That'd be I the best way I can describe it. That would be a, a good outcome. Yes. But I think for you guys, there's also opportunity there, right? I think it's so annoying, but I think if you play kind of like the psych armchair psychiatrist a little bit, like there's a way to, I think, kind of take that pander to that a little bit. Pander's not a great word, but like have them feel like you do respect the small amount of research that they've done and you're kind of augmenting mm -hmm. that with your knowledge and, and even if it is your plan, but giving them a voice in that, I think that's like an opportunity for you guys because I think the more they feel they understand, the more they'll do. Mm -hmm. So, well, I would agree with that yeah. and going with it. Yeah, pushing back is not the way. No, pushing back, I th and I think I mean I see that with my business too, right? I mean, we have, I have a lot of conversations with different people who definitely feel like they know 
exactly how to do our job or it looks so easy so it must be easy and there's there's definitely a way to kind of flip that conversation to educate them a little bit more and bring them to your point of view so that's perfect that brings me to pr uh-huh. You know, historically going back, you know, we had print media and a, if a doctor had a public mm-hmm. relations person, it was usually get them on television mm-hmm. or an interview in a magazine. Mm-hmm. But you do way more than that. Yes. Do, do you have any physician clients? No. So we don't take physicians as clients because oh. I think I would get in trouble. Okay. Just how, checking. How, how could I pick my favorite child? Well, you of pick me, of, of course. Well, so. obviously. <laughs> Okay, so no physicians, but I'm sure you have advice for us physicians. But let's before we get to physicians, mm-hmm. let's think corporate. Where are you having the most traction as a publicist or a PR yeah. person, a PR mm-hmm. professional? There's so many different vehicles and avenues now. Where where are you having the most traction, most success? Um, so I think we're having the most success with our clients who are truly doing integrated campaigns with us. So I think now you can't just go out and get like written up in like Vogue magazine and expect that to drive a ton of business. I think it needs to be um, like Vogue, online, social media component, like truly telling a full story because Mm -hmm. now the way consumers get to information, whether in aesthetics or eye care or hospitality is, they go to all those places, right? They're looking on their social feed, they're going to Facebook, they're asking their friends, they're reading media outlets, watching TV, sometimes not you know, on an actual television or uh-huh. not at the time. So I think you really, part of our job is to, I think, tell a story in all those places that the consumer could go or might go for information. So that's really what we're having. I think when clients, potential clients come to us and they want to do like just one thing, that's a little bit harder of an ask right now because they're just, they're not going to see the return on the investment that they might have even just seen like five years ago. Okay. So you advise that they use these different channels, yep, if you will. different channels, even if it's on a smaller scale, mm-hmm. but having like a little bit of a bigger footprint. I see. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Now, let's switch, switch it to physicians. I know you, ha- you don't have any plastic uh-huh. surgery clients, but I am a plastic surgeon. A lot of plastic surgeons are watching mm-hmm. today and aesthetic providers mm-hmm. and so forth. What would you advise that we do on a practice basis or individual basis? What should we be doing in, in terms of PR? Yeah. Um, I would say that um, definitely, you know, focus. I think a lot of doctors really love those national placements. Um, I would say focus, like, regionally. Like, don't forget, like, your own neighborhood. I think the the local papers, the local news outlets, like, very valuable. And then I would couple that with um, doing social media, but also putting some paid spend behind your content. So not only posting Mm -hmm. on, like, Instagram or Facebook, but actually doing some advertising behind some of your posts to make Mm -hmm. sure that, patients actually see them and to make sure that you're targeting that content towards like the kind of patient you want. Right. So okay. I'm sure like, you know, for, so, just like I know what like a good client for me looks like, like uh, you probably know what a good patient for sure. you looks like. So making sure you're, you're targeting. So you believe in that geo-targeting and, and I do it for, especially for physicians. I mm-hmm. think it makes a lot of sense. Sure and I think it, it doesn't need to be like a huge spend. I think if you get you know, there are a lot of great consultants out there that are like single people mm-hmm. who you can are pretty like cost efficient and they can, I think, help individual practices that way. What do you think a reasonable budget for an individual private, say, plastic surgeon would be a month? Probably all in. I think you could get away with like somewhere between three and $7,000 a month. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a lot cheaper than I would have thought mm-hmm. you would have said. I think so. Okay. I mean, maybe not, I think, you know, Area dependent, probably not for you, but I think for some other docs that are starting out, I think you can start to see some nice traction. 
Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, do you have recommendations of where physicians can go to get such? I a do. Publicist? I know. I have. I have some people I can always recommend. Would you recommend them on this program? Um, well, there are a few of them. So okay. Yeah. Well, they yeah. can contact you then. for sure. I'm happy to give names. Now, up. you come to the meetings typically. I, I certainly do. see you at all the national meetings. And but do you have booths when you come to the meeting? I don't have a booth. I see you just. You know me, Grant. Yeah, I, like I know. To, you float around. I network. I like. I, I like network. doing my business over cocktails. Okay. Well, if those of you want to get a hold of me. <laughs> Just let me know and I'll help you. And she'll give you those recommendations. I'll take a meeting for champagne anytime. Perfect. Now, let's move on. Let's talk about national meetings Mm -hmm. and COVID. Yep. So first of all, how has COVID affected you and your role as a, a PR person? Um, so it's been really challenging. One, as a, as a PR person, obviously, COVID is dominating the news. Yes. So it's very hard to get people to focus on much else. So that, that's been a challenge. Um, as a business owner... Um, it's been very challenging. I would say that probably those last two weeks in March, um, I think I like cried every single day because I was oh, like, oh, no. this is how like my business fails. Um, but then what was really interesting about it was um, it didn't. It, we're actually having our best year ever. And I think I, COVID actually taught me a lot about um, like business decision making and, and really, it sounds kind of cheesy, but I think it really helped me sort of step into and own the fact that like I'm actually pretty good at this. <laughs> um, and I really never internalized that before. And I think COVID kind of forced me because of some decisions I had to make and some kind of quick judgments. It forced me to really embrace Did you that. pivot? We pivoted a lot. Um, and what was interesting is that it sort of, COVID sort of cleaned out, I think some, it, it, I think it freed up some time and brain space that then now has led us to other, other opportunities that perhaps we would not have had. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Did you furlough your employees? Nope. Haven't laid a single person off or cut anyone's pay. That's fantastic. That was very important to me. Congratulations. Thank you. That is quite a feat. Thank you. Are they working at home or in your we office? Are, so uh, about half of us are back. Um, I did a survey and I kind of asked people what they were comfortable with when New York started to open up again. So we reopened July 8th. Mm-hmm. Um, and those of us who opted in to come back, um, the schedule is like you can go in anytime you want, like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, and it's been really casual. We really haven't had more than like five or six people in the office at a time. All the desks are socially distant now. We all wear masks. So we're in like a good groove. I mean, I'd, we'll see what happens. I'd love to have everyone back next year mm-hmm. um, because I, I personally, I guess maybe I'm old school, but I personally think in-person time is really important, especially in my business. I think okay. the brainstorming, the meeting in person – um, I think you need that you need to, to actually see people. And for junior people, I think it's very hard to grow when you don't have people to like learn from and model their behavior in person. Like that's very hard to do over a Zoom call. I would agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the competitive, uh, the, the juices and the camaraderie yeah. and all the. Yeah, the, you just the, don't get that. No, you don't get it as much. But a number of companies have successfully switched and pivoted to Zoom. They have, but I have, um, I have, a, I have two theories on that. Um, okay. I think, I think it works. It works. It's working well because I think we were all in person together and we like went into this having had like a, that team working together in person. Right. Um, so I even with my team, like I'm seeing the longer we're virtual, they're definitely like the communication is like less efficient. You're not. So so that's one thing. And two, I just I think all these companies that are saying they're going to do like all virtual, it's a it's a f- initial step towards moving their headquarters out of a high tax state personally. 
Interesting. So you think it's a tax strategy? <laughs> I, I think it is. Okay. But we'll see. We will not be an all-virtual we, company. We will come back. I got it. <laughs> and Sergi will certainly never yeah, be an no. all-virtual. Um, let's go to the meetings, the national yes. meetings. As you mentioned, you float around. You're, I do. You're always at all the meetings. You're a mover and a shaker mm-hmm. and a networker, and I see you at all of them because <laughs> I like to go to them too because yeah. I'm a social creature and I love the meetings. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think we're kind of meeting out. We, we have a lot of meetings, almost one a week in yep. this business. It's hard to believe. But <clears throat> tell me what you think is going to happen. Well, how, what's going to happen post-COVID and the meeting business? Yeah, I, just, I, think there's, I think there's like too many meetings. I've always thought that. I don't think the industry needs like a meeting every single weekend, um, especially if you're not, if there's not really new information coming out or new data. Um, so my guess is that there'll be like less meetings. It'll kind of, COVID will kind of, you know, help, help us to refocus on the most impactful meetings like uh-huh. ASAPs, you know, ASDS, um, AAD, you know, I think VCS is a great example. Um, and I think some of these other meetings will probably fall off. Um, Cause like I was telling you earlier, I, I do think the meetings are important for that in-person, like how do you network or get to know someone that you've never met before, like virtually? It's yeah. very hard. Um, so I think we'll kind of net out that they'll come back, but I think less, there'll be less meetings. Yeah, how could I ever have my Friday dinner before the Aesthetic I know. Society? I, I mean, was, we've been doing that for 20 years. I know. Yeah. This is the first year I think I missed it in like a decade. Absolutely. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And you said ASAPs. You know, I can't stand it when people say ASAPs. So I have oh, to go. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because it sounds like as soon as possible. So as oh, president, I, I, I moved to uh, call it what it's called, the Aesthetic Society. Okay. And uh, just because I hate that as soon as possible. Okay. But don't worry. Okay. I, I'll give you a hall pass. Oh, thank but you. Try your best to call it I the will. Aesthetic Society as you I go will. forward, okay? Okay, I will. I don't care if, care if you call ASPS, ASPFs. That doesn't bother me at all. But the Aesthetic okay. Society. The Aesthetic and, and Society. And this is our, uh, you know, our mascot right here. I'll correct all my clients, too. No, you don't have to. <laughs> it, just, it is one thing that. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, I get part- it. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, what else? Tell me, uh, what are your predictions in the future? Besides, we've talked about the meetings. Yep. We've talked about the physicians and what they should be doing and looking mm-hmm. for as a publicist. Yep. Mm-hmm. You're working for a number of companies, yep. and you're using all the different channels, it mm-hmm. sounds like. Yeah, I think, um, I think for the next year or so, I think self-care is going to be a huge topic. That's on consumers' minds. I Self-care. Think. Mm-hmm. You're talking about topicals and things that people do for themselves. Yeah, for themselves. Anything. Walls. Yep. Self-care. I think, but I'm self-care broadly. I think taking, making sure they're keeping up with their their physician treatments, making sure they're like going to the doctor, but also like doing things at home. I think that's going to be a big deal. Not just because of COVID. I just think COVID has like refocused everyone on like how can they be their healthiest, like best looking self. I mean, I'm sure you've, you've read this, like aesthetics is having a, a boom right now because I think we are everyone stared Both at surgical themselves. surgical and non-surgical. Everyone stared at themselves on a TV screen for like a million weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's going to continue and it's going to also parlay into other, other areas like sleep, right? So how are they not, they're only looking better, but how do they make sure they like feel good? Too? Right. Yeah. This whole zoom and zoomer lift and the zoom eyelids, yeah. and the, the zoom. I've noticed things gut. about my face that I I had never noticed before. Imagine and I kind of wish man, I like didn't. The men they typically look at their face once a day, and yeah. now on Zoom they're staring at themselves for hours. And the number it's of terrible. men that are calling me, and they think they're the only one, and they start the conversation like, uh, "You're not going to believe it." And I I stop them and I say, "I know what you're going to tell me. I can just tell from the speech pattern." And so I say, do gonna, you think this is going to be like the man boom? 
we've been I waiting do. for? I do. Well, you know, I've been saying that for I a know, long time. I know. With my man. I feel like we keep waiting for men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, we've expanded men in the marina, okay. certainly, but yeah, well, nationally, you have the man land, man land marina yeah. man land, yep. where a man can feel good <laughs> yep. about looking great. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and men are seeing themselves more. They have a renewed interest, both mm-hmm. surgical and non-surgical, body contouring, skin care, mm-hmm. and so forth, and it's a great area for growth. Yeah. Uh, if I were in your shoes, or certainly corporate shoes, yeah. the various industries you mentioned and the ones you represent, I would certainly target men. You mentioned your... You're working with Allergan. I know mm-hmm. they have a big meal yeah, campaign. Yeah, they do. Are they you have, part of that? So we are not part of that campaign, but um, they do. They've focused on on men for a little bit now, and I think that's going to continue, mm-hmm. um, which is good. And the other thing, too, besides, this is going to sound weird, but I can't wait for um, aesthetics to stop talking about, like, aging. Because I actually don't think, I think the treatments aren't really about aging all the time, right? Like, some, I, I know people, it's really about, like, what you look like, mm-hmm. not necessarily that you're growing older. Right. Um, because I, I mean, all the women in my office, right, we have, I'm probably like one of the oldest people in my office. Um, and all of my 20-somethings, they're all, they all have got a derm or a plastic surgeon. They're all like going to get their Botox. They're all doing their cool scalp. Like they're doing all the things uh-huh. already. And it's not, an, it's not an aging concern. Right, we used to talk all about rejuvenation mm-hmm. and uh, anti-aging. Mm-hmm. But really it's more about looking your very best, yeah, right? Regardless of what decade you're in. Yeah. I also like hate that term anti-aging because I think um, for me it's never like I like getting older, right? The alternative is definitely not a good one. Um, and you've seen my birthday parties. Like, yes, I, love I know. Birthday. Um, I think it's more about like anti-old, right? I don't want to like look old. I don't want to like feel old. I don't want to come across as like yeah. old. Like, and you want to be the best you can be. Yeah. I mean the best looking, yeah. the best feeling, totally. and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, what other things you'd like to t- would you like to tell our crowd, uh, the listeners and watchers of the technology of beauty? Any other emerging technologies you want to give me a little insight into? Uh, or well, any secrets you want to tell us? Because uh, I know you know what's coming down. Uh, I know. I, getting it out of her is kind of tough. She works for all the biggies. <laughs> um, I am excited about um, one of my clients um, is launching an injectable for cellulite. Ooh. I am excited about that. That's coming out. It's Endoesthetics. They're launching Quo, um, and that's uh, going to be out next year. It's going to be the first and only injectable for cellulite. Tell so, us about that if you can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it was just FDA approved in July. Okay. Um, it is a series of three treatments uh, over a three-month period, uh, and it helps with the dimples. Uh-huh. So for those listening, it's very upsetting. You find out there are different kinds of cellulite. So not not the cottage cheese kind, but the dimples kind. It treats and it dissolves the fibrous bands. So, so the little uh, ice pick dimples. Yeah, the ice picks. Those yep. are the ones that are best. Yep, those are for for this treatment for Quo. So let me get this straight. It's an injectable, injectable. like Botox or yep. fillers. Yep, exactly. And you get an injection get in an your injected. fanny. Yeah, in your fanny. Correct. Yeah. Yep. And how, and you come in how many times? Three. It's it's you come in uh, three times in total over, over over about three to four months. Okay, mm-hmm. and when will this be available? Um, it's probably going to be spring of next year. Can you tell us how much it's going to, it's going to cost? I can't tell you that. Okay. <laughs> Can you tell us if it works? It does work. I will be showing my butt to a lot of doctors. Oh, to see nice. <laughs> so you've had it done? I have not had it done yet, but oh. I'd love to have it done. Oh, well, if you'd so. like someone to do it, I'd be happy to be the one to do it once I learn how to do okay. it. <laughs> I'm sure Emily wouldn't mind. No, I'm sure she'd be totally fine. She can come too. Okay, good. <laughs> good. Okay. 
So we've got an injectable coming down mm-hmm. this spring yep. to help with uh, cellulite. Yep. But not cottage cheese. Ice not picks. cottage cheese. Yep. Okay. Ice just the buttocks or just the, the buttocks too? for just now. The buttocks. Yep. Just the buttocks. Okay. Well, Any... that's what we're indicated for. Just the buttocks. Okay. So that's yeah. all you can talk about. Yeah. Correct. But I could do it somewhere else if I wanted yeah. to. I mean, you're the doctor. You're <laughs> okay. the expert. Okay. Good. <laughs> What else? Any other uh, exciting new um, technologies? Well, I'm excited for um, Allergan has a chin indication that's coming up with their fillers. I think that's going to be a big deal. Uh-huh. Um, I think the chin is like an overlooked um, important part of your facial structure. Okay. So I think, especially for men, like mm-hmm. we were talking about before, yes. I think um, you know having that definition and having that look mm-hmm. um, is going to be that's going to be great. So I'm, I'm glad that they they have that coming. And up. what product will that be? Voluma. Okay. So, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And when when will that indication come out? I think in the next like couple of weeks. Oh. Yeah. Good. So, so maybe soon. by the time we're playing this yeah. it'll be yeah. there. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Anything else? I mean, I'm just excited to see kind of what the next year brings. Like this year has been nothing like I imagined in like great and bad ways. Mm-hmm. Um so I feel like it's kind of like we're gearing up for the next adventure. So do I. I yeah. think, and uh, aesthetic practices are doing well, yeah, relatively speaking. Certainly, yeah. the surgical has come back with yep. a vengeance. The non-surgical has resumed the levels it was at before for most of us. Yeah. I do have one question for you, mm-hmm. and you can opt not to answer if okay. you choose to, as always. And okay. that is, how do you think the public is going to respond to a longer-acting toxin? There's rumors about, and a lot of evidence that there'll be a competitor to Botox coming out very shortly. Uh, from the company Revance, as mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they call it Daxi, and mm-hmm. allegedly it lasts up to six months, mm-hmm. which is about twice yeah. Botox. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you think people want shorter acting. Okay, I'm yeah. not sure why I would want something to lack less, mm-hmm. lack or last less time, but maybe if it were messed up or um, I think if you've never or if you've never had if you've it, never had it, you're right? Of I it. think you're a little if you're a little afraid of it, right? Something that maybe only lasts like a month seems like far less of a commitment. Yeah, uh, I think it's like. All these things I think are good, right? Because I think that's like the patient's journey uh-huh. from like a naive patient to a sophisticated patient. Um, yeah, look, I think some consumers are going to love it. I think if you're, this is just my opinion. Yeah, I want um, your opinion. That's what I you're think, here for. Yeah, <laughs> I think if, more, that was more caveat for anyone listening. Oh, okay. um, just my opinion. Oh, okay, um, got it. But I, uh, I think for those people who've been getting toxin for, let's call it like 10, 20 years, mm-hmm. right? I think there's an opportunity for them, like they may want to only go in like once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think on the physician side, that's a little tough because I think a three to four month toxin gives you an opportunity to see the patient mm-hmm. more. So yeah. I think there are like pros and cons on both on sure. both sides. Sure. Yeah. I think coming in twice a year is going to be an, an attractive uh, uh, proposition. But you can come in once a month for your facials and all the you other can, things. You can, right? So I think it's going to be like how do, how do the physicians manage Right, I think how you guys like manage your patients, like uh-huh. how your staff does that. Right. Because if if what they mainly come in for is like a Botox, and now they're going to only come in like once or twice a year, like how are you selling them anything the else? The other things, right? Skincare. So I think yeah, yeah skincare. So I right. think there's going to like probably heavying up on digital marketing, like thinking through that a little bit, like just thinking through like the regimen. Mm-hmm. I think that they come in for a little bit differently is probably going to have to happen. Are you familiar with subscription aesthetic services? A and, little bit, yeah. yes. What do you think? Uh, what do you think about that? Um, you know, I think it really helps people with their personal cash flow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's definitely optics-wise a help towards getting like a two hundred dollar bill every month. 
versus like a two thousand dollar bill. Yes. <laughs> like twice a year. Right. Um, so I so I think that's like really attractive for patients. I just don't think like enough people know that that exists uh-huh. yet. So I think there's there's an awareness issue there. Well, that's certainly something we'll explore on this program. But these, uh, as you know, Hint MD yep. has mm-hmm. this subscription approach, and we've mm-hmm. been using it in our practice. Mm-hmm. And one advantage is certainly the, the one you point out, and that is budgeting. Yep. It's a lot easier to swallow, say, 200 bucks to use your example, yep. a month. But the other advantage is people are consistently therapeutic. Yeah, compliance. Because they're coming in more frequently. Mm -hmm. And instead of being therapeutic, non-therapeutic, therapeutic, Mm non-therapeutic, be it wrinkles or Mm -hmm. or contours. But also you guys can probably do your best work that way. That's right. Right? Yeah. That's right. We don't have to overshoot. Yeah. And people are more consistently. Be like, I'm going to see this person for like eight months. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think there's more than just budgeting. I think Mm -hmm. they they have a better experience. The physician has a better experience. Mm -hmm. They're complementary to mm-hmm. one another. The patients don't have to fear that they're somehow going to be made look abnormal, like crazy. the big duck lips yeah. or crazy. Yeah. And there's always that concern. Yeah. They're Do people be still like those duck lips? I never. I don't. Have. I don't. I don't know who like thinks that's cute. I don't either. Yeah. I don't have a clue. Mm-hmm. It's either. all about natural. I agree. Right. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Well, once again, I want to thank you very much for coming all the way out here to a beautiful uh, Manhattan Beach, Los Angeles area, and being our guest. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you for having me, Dr. Stevens. You're welcome. It's always a pleasure. I can't wait to have you back. Thanks. Thank you all very much for joining us on this episode of The Technology of Beauty. See ya.